Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Big DK Energy Podcast. My name is Danny Kay, or the DK and the Big DK Energy. And I bring on people from all walks of life to teach us about a subject that they're well-versed in. And so today's subject is art, or football, or maybe even both. Today's guest, hailing all the way from Sefner, Florida, he played offensive lineman every single year that he was at the University of Central Florida. And afterwards, he was on the Eagles for a brief time and the Orlando Apollos. But then before going into Kansas City Chiefs training camp, he decided to follow his lifelong passion of becoming a painter. And so today we're going to talk about the duality of man with this one character. So please put it together for today's guest, Mr. Aaron Evans. What's up, everyone? I'm Aaron. How's it going, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing fantastic. I must say, this is a cute little uh, house you got here. Thank you. Thank you. We moved over here uh, so my wife could get her degree at Florida Southern. And yeah, it's been, it's been a great little home for us. Excellent. And this is kind of like a right around the area that you grew up in, right? Yeah, it's like 20 minutes, 30 minutes from where I grew up. And it's been really nice. I always thought Lakeland was just dirt. Like, I just thought it was a mud hole. And I didn't realize there was so um, developed. <laughs> yeah, like one weird thing that I saw was it looks like the Detroit Tigers practice here during the spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot more active here than I ever thought it was. But it's really, it's really a nice area. But yeah. Yeah, actually, um, one I think this one person that I saw on the road today described like all of this area. He was this guy on a motorbike wearing tank shop, board shorts, and smoking a cigar. That sounds, that's about that. That's right. Yep. Uh, that's the beauty of this area of Lakeland, Florida. <laughs> and uh, that's what you now call home and is the home for your art studio. Is- yeah, yeah. It's a temporary home. I think we're going to probably move a little bit closer to Sefner in the coming years. Yeah, it's been a really great spot for us. So, I, as I said in the intro, your lifelong passion has been painting and art. But football was kind of the main thing that people mostly knew you about beforehand. So did you start art before you started sports or what was the sequence of events for that? If you count doing little arts and crafts and uh, doodling for fun as a little, little boy starting art first, then yes. But I've been playing football since I was uh, seven years old. So yeah. I've been doing it my whole life. I always loved it, but I was always really big. Like, I was 120 pounds in second grade. Oh, crap. And um, <laughs> so I was just big my whole life. And I wasn't fat. I was just big. So I was just been big my whole life. So it kind of naturally occurred to play football. And you're 6'5", right? Yeah, I'm 6'5". I'm about like 300 pounds still. I'm trying to lose down. I want to get down to like 260, 265. That's my skinny weight. You could probably ball out right now if you wanted to. Oh, I could. I could definitely still play if I wanted to. Awesome. But then instead, you've chosen the art life. So I was reading some articles and then it was after the Kansas City Chiefs called. Um, you didn't officially go into their camp, you know, mm-hmm. right beforehand is when you were like, I'm chasing my dream. Yeah, no, they they called and offered me a job on a Friday afternoon. And um, I remember I almost threw up when they called me. I was like so upset about it. And I couldn't really tell you why per se, but I knew that I had found art and I was uh, enjoying it and I didn't want to step away from it. But uh, two days later, I decided I had a, this God moment, but I decided to quit and I been painting full-time ever since and I used to have a hard time accepting my decision Um, I've probably had a hard time until a couple months ago really accepting my decision and lying to myself and like why I did it and all this stuff but I mean I really think I chose something that was really healthy for me and um, and I've really fallen in love with this well I'm glad you found that and I'm glad that so many people 
have kind of uh, rallied behind you in that decision. In fact, if I remember reading the article correctly, your parents were not exactly the most fond of that decision when you first made it, right? Uh, my dad was fairly supportive. He was a little skeptical, but supportive. And my mom was supportive, but she was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why would you step away from the NFL to, to paint? Like, just play for a couple more years, then you can paint for the rest of your life. Like, I don't know. I, I think art, I believe art has quite literally saved my life um, and it's allowed me to heal in ways I didn't know I needed to heal. Plus art doesn't have any risks of CTE. <laughs> Whatever, there's a lot of damage done there, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, how do fingers hold it up? I'm just kidding. <laughs> three. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, you got that one right. Oh, speaking of three fingers, three point stance. Let's talk about the history of you being an O-lineman. What do you want to know? So let's see, we started as a fairly young child, and then how many D1 offers did you get uh, coming out of school? Like four or five. USF, UCF, uh, Rutgers, there's another school up north. I don't remember all of them. I mean, I had other like opportunities, but UCF was the, like when I toured campus, it was the obvious, it was the obvious choice. And listen, because I'm wearing this jersey, you made the right choice, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. But you, you played there your entire career. I bleed black and gold, baby. There we go. We love it. We love <laughs> to see it. In fact, your works are actually now in the bounce house itself. Yeah. I've done six murals. I covered one of them because I hated it. And I donated the Space U mural to the school. But I have five murals on campus. I'm waiting to hear back from Burger U. Apparently, they want a mural. Um, but... Yeah, man. I can't believe that I even get these opportunities. Do you still have like a contact at UCF that you know from your time playing that helps you with art projects around the area? Well, really no one from football has assisted in any of these projects. It's always been just the athletics department and stuff. Um, some of the media guys I'm still in touch with. Eric DeSalvo. I actually knew his sister Anna. Yeah, so people like him have really helped segue this transition for me and i also do my best to maintain relationships and i try to meet the right people because it, it's a really great opportunity and i love giving back to the school so yeah and besides 2017 you know i think we're national champions other fans think we're not but i'm still gonna roll with it you want to see the rings can we see the rings yeah i have the rings oh, hell yeah all right here they are oh wow it's fiesta bowl i believe here put them on bro put them on yeah why not i didn't earn any of these you don't have to earn it you can wear them though there. Oh shit! That's the natty. Oh wow! This thing's uh, hefty. I yeah. look like uh, I look like Don King right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is pretty sick. But uh, man, these things are huge. Like, do they measure the size of your fingers? Yeah, those fit me. Oh sweet! Like. They might not be, they actually might be too small now. My fingers have gotten bigger. Yeah, I forgot how big some people's hands are compared to others, especially <laughs> an O-lineman's. You probably had to like rip down a lot of people that were like coming at you full force. What's that like? I love it. Oh man, that's my favorite part about playing football is contact. I love the part where you just stare another person in the eye and be like, let's go. And like, it's just every single snap. All game, four hours. That's my favorite part about it. So, um, there was this one clip from ESPN of like an O-lineman. He threw up on the field and then looked the opposite uh, defensive lineman in the eyes thinking, yeah, I just did that. Did you ever throw up on the field while playing? I was not much of a person who threw up, but I've seen it happen in front of me, beside me, all around me. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. I love when people are bleeding, throwing up. Um, uh, actually, you know, now, bro, I'd finish plays with blood all over me, and I was like, well, whose blood is this? <laughs> <laughs> I just wipe it off and keep playing, but um, I have peed my pants a few times because I couldn't get off the field, and like, I'm not proud of that, but 
But you got to do what you got to do. Fair enough. I mean, you know, that's the best part about having gold pants. You know what to tell the difference. Yeah, or just a water ball. You just spray yourself down completely. Oh, true. And you can just say, yeah, I'm just cooling myself down. This is no, a really intense I don't game. care if everyone sees. I'm soaking wet anyways. I don't care if anyone sees that I got a little extra water down there. What was your favorite season that you played there? Oh, my senior year was definitely my favorite season. That was wild. The 2017 campaign. Yeah, yeah. That was actually going into my last year. So I remember seeing the entirety of that whole thing and just thinking, I'm graduating at the most perfect time in UCF uh, history. Yeah, no. It can't really get much better unless we actually play in the national championship a game and win that. Legit, legit. But um, it was such a surreal experience. And I just, I remember thinking each week, like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. Didn't really start settling in until like six games in, but um, it was just a really wild experience. Yeah, and for us fans, um, we just kept getting heart attack after heart attack. But then <laughs> yeah. I can just imagine, like, on the sidelines, what it must have been like. Like, that USF game, that were on I-4. I knew we won the game, but I still get horrible anxiety from it. Yeah, me too. That game was game was freaking wonderful. I remember um, I was sitting on the sideline with my arms up one point, and I was just looking at the stands and all the lights on the phones. And I was just like, this is freaking sick. Like, this is so sick. This is so cool. It was an awesome year, man. Another anxiety-inducing game was the conference championship game versus Memphis. Tell me what's that going was... on through your head. Oh, a lot of bitterness and anger because we all found out that Frost was leaving at halftime. Oh, I forgot. What was the locker room like when uh, they, y'all found out? Frost was leaving. It felt like we just got broken up with. Like, right when, like, during the game, like, girlfriend is just like, hey, I don't want to be with you anymore. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> but uh, it really kind of soured the day for me personally. Um, I was excited that we won. It didn't let us falter. We did our jobs and all that stuff. But it was really just bittersweet. I hated finding out like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of us found out when Frost was off to the sidelines and, you know, right after the win, the ESPN reporter was like, so what is this about you going to Nebraska? And that's when he said, uh, I just want to part. I just want to party with my team. And so, yeah, what, I, I didn't want to party. <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. Was there some saltiness in the locker room going into the Peach Bowl? So the way he handled it, the amount of grace he handled that situation with was, um, I think, really just testament to the man he is. He came back and there was a lot of attitude towards him initially. I remember we did like a practice strike one day. He wanted us to go full contact like five days in a row. And we were like, absolutely not. So we all went outside and just our jerseys, no pads. And he just kind of like sat down with us. And he's like, listen, I know you guys are angry. Like I get it, but like I'm flying back and forth between here and Nebraska every day just so I can coach you guys. And I, I could just hand this off to another coach and let them finish out the season. And I'm not doing that because that's typically what happens when the coach leaves. And um, he's like, I wanted to finish this with you guys. And I do care about y'all. It's just he was crying when he was telling us this. And he was just like, I don't have any animosity towards y'all. I just like, there's like, I love you guys. It's just I didn't think we were going to be this successful this quickly. And he's like, it just opened a lot of doors for me. And I'm just doing what's best for my family. And myself and my career and all that and we were like man we can't hate you for that yeah <laughs> and really um can't. and he was just really transparent with us and it honestly just felt like we were just a bunch of boys hanging out after that it didn't really feel like subordinate it felt like we were not equal but like just, a loving father giving yeah his son it was a lecture yeah it was just really pleasant it was nice it was nice at the peach bowl it was nice spending time with everybody and then we kind of like all knew it's like a healthy breakup if there ever is such a thing. <laughs> Got it. I mean, I've been single all my life, so I don't understand that. But you know what? We're going to say that it was peaceful because 
based on what we saw from the outside, it looked like, I mean, don't get me wrong, that's his alma mater, so it's like, you can't blame him too much for that. Now, if he went to USF, we would have been pissed. Yeah, I think he made the wrong decision overall, personally, but I, I mean, you can't really think like that, I guess, but I just think, I mean... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. Maybe he wouldn't have been successful that next year with us at UCF, or maybe he would have. I just think he inherited a really special program, and he thought that he could have the same thing at Nebraska, and it wasn't the same program. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of factors that go into that. I mean, I'm not into that world fully where I can, you know, say what it was that caused Nebraska not to be like UCF, but what he did for us, and I'm sure what he did for the team was just phenomenal. I mean, two years prior was... The complete opposite, our fully defeated season. Yeah, the proof is in the pudding. So, like, yeah, he definitely did his thing with us, and it worked. It worked really, really well. So, I'm, I don't knock him. I actually really respect him, and I admire him, and I would, I hope he's doing well. Um, as you still keep in contact with him or the, any um, of the teammates? I keep in contact with my teammates um, and my offensive line coach. He just got picked up by the Jags. He's a helping out there now but um yeah no I, I stay in touch with him and if i saw frost right now i'd want to get a beer with him like i i think he's awesome and i think he would want to get a beer with me if he saw me too so that's just the nature of this lifestyle is just really uh hectic and chaotic and it's constantly moving and changing so it's just really hard like these are like high level dudes so it's really hard to stay in touch with them closely does that make sense yeah so it besides wanting to chase a passion of yours was that also one of the reasons why you took off from the football world um there's a lot of reasons but i was really going through a a dark spell so i'd wanted to be in the nfl my whole life and when i got there i was a little bit shell-shocked by the nature of the business i thought it was just playing good football and it is a lot more complex than that and and um, I just was not mentally or emotionally prepared for it. And a lot of the, I dealt with depression my whole life and a lot of my bad habits, my fixes, my um, poor coping mechanisms, my emotional distress, all of it kind of surfaced pretty intensely under that pressure. And I was crumbling and I really was. And I started painting and I started to feel this sense of um, the burden being lifted and I started to see this path of peace for myself where I wasn't going to feel this chaos inside me anymore. And so I just kind of ran towards that. And um, I think God designed me this way for a reason. I didn't go to art school. All this stuff comes kind of natural to me. I do study art. I do study art techniques and I watch YouTube pretty obsessively um, when I'm not painting. That's pretty much what I'm doing. Just learning new techniques. Like I'm doing using a new color palette on this guy here. There's a painting over there, everyone. But um, I just kind of leaned into it, man. And I, I can't tell you it was an easy decision. It was not. I miss football all the time. I really do. I miss playing. I miss competing. But I just don't think I was mentally cut out for the league, just honestly. And I'm, I'm finally getting to a point in my life where I can accept that. Fantastic for you, because I'm glad you found some semblance of peace. You know, I'm just glad that you were able to take a step back and realize what was better for you. Did you ever feel like, besides your dream, it was kind of like placed upon you to make it to the league? Um... I know from a very early age, I didn't want to play football. I didn't want to play when I was little. I used to fight with my dad about it all the time. But again, like I said earlier, I was like, I was really, really big. I mean, I was huge. Big guys don't usually paint is the, you know, the first. Well, yeah, yeah. And like, you can always just draw on the side. Don't worry about it. But um, speaking of that, isn't that what you used to do during team meetings? Yeah, I got one of my notebooks in there. I'll show you. But um, yeah, it's all I I just drew. I, I think I used one notebook all of college and... 
it's pretty much only doodles. I would draw my professors while they were talking. It actually helps me mentally mind map what they're talking about by putting pictures. And like, I'll put like one word or two words, but then I'll draw a picture next to it and the picture will trigger the whole part of the lecture that it's from. It's really interesting. That's how my brain works though. I, th I have a photographic memory. But yeah, no, I didn't really want to play football my whole life. And then I didn't play freshman year of high school. The school I transferred to didn't have football, but then my sophomore and junior year I played and I did, and I actually started to fall in love with it. And I didn't realize how much I loved it. And then um, in college, I really started to fall in love with it a lot more intensely. But I do think the identity was kind of on me because of my stature, because of how good I was at it and all that stuff. So I don't regret any of it by any means. If anything, I'm just really thankful for it. Toughened me up, made me a better man, taught me a lot of really valuable principles. And I think those principles right now are what are helping me be successful as an artist. That's insane. In an awesome way, of course. Yeah. So kind of going back to what you were saying, though, um, I remember we were just talking about, not on the show, but just before the show, we were talking about journaling. And so some of these like feelings of, you know, I don't want to play football or maybe these feelings of oh, I want to play football again do... You sort of journal through painting sometimes, whereas if you're angry and the emotions just come out via color? Yeah, so I actually teach or host, I don't know how you want to explain it, explain it but art therapy, I do that. I don't post about it really, um, very vaguely if I do, but... Yeah, so the painting class that I post is called Paint Your Heart Out, and we try to match colors to emotional states of being. So usually I'll prompt the class, like, what does hatred feel like? Or what does love feel like? Or what does this feel like? And I'll just start a dialogue, and I usually just start confessing all, all my failures or stuff that I've gone through, because usually that helps other people relate to you and helps them to kind of open up a little bit too. And like, as they're painting through certain brush strokes or certain patterns or certain color palettes they choose, those all signify mental and emotional states to being that subconsciously come out of the person when they're painting so I don't prompt the class with a specific image because most people are like I can't even draw a stick figure which is like what I hear all the time but like with color you can just it's very abstract so they can really easily express those things through color and I do that too so what are your favorite colors to paint with and what emotions do they represent I really love lavenders and pinks and teals uh, I think those are my, my favorite colors my favorite color is maroon though but I've been just really trying to like so I'm like we kind of talked about earlier is like I'm really deep in my faith and my um, walk with God and he promises us peace in this life and that doesn't mean your life is easy that doesn't mean like bad things don't happen that doesn't mean good things don't happen it doesn't mean anything but peace you can have peace within a storm and art has really kind of facilitated that for me and i just i think i'm constantly trying to attain that and i, and I think to some degree i have because the stuff that i used to deal with through high school and college and even the time i had the short stint i had in the league i don't deal with anymore i'm dealing with new problems which is really encouraging which means i'm just growing and i'm really thankful for that because i have had a many a sleepless nights crying or um, an emotional distress or something where i wasn't sure what life is about or what the point of it was and i'm just glad to finally kind of be at a, a level where I don't have to deal with that every night of my life. That was very brave of you. I hope you know that of you being able to talk about emotionally distraught and being able to talk about it because it's kind of a thing that's, you know, even though now that kind of stigma is being lifted, it's still very brave of you to say and all these different mediums through which you can process this pain out. We're all happy that you're fortunate enough to be able to have that, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's okay to have emotions. It's not okay to be emotional. That's what they always told us when we played. And I was just, I'm a very emotional person. 
I'm very passionate. And so I want to encourage other men, especially to let that stuff out, man. It's so toxic for your well-being in your life to just hold it in. And most men let it out in anger. Um, and I, I'm one of those too. But it's okay to just cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be sad. It's just learning how to articulate those emotions in a healthy manner to which you actually get um, desirable outcomes. So like you actually can process those emotions because a lot of times anger is just a frustration with not being able to communicate what you're feeling. I never really thought about it that way, but now that you did, thank you for that. Yeah. So I like the way that you put it. You're allowed to have emotions, just not be emotional. Tell me, what was a time in a game that you did become emotional? And what was one of the most emotional times that you painted? The Navy game my senior year, I was extremely emotional. I wanted to win that game so bad. I remember I was just chewing people out. I don't ever get like that. And I was just, I was being a motherfucker that day. Excuse my French, but I was. So that game, I know I was on a whole nother level. And then um, the most emotional painting. So I broke both my arms last year um, in February. Dude, what? I, f- I was cutting a tree branch and I, the tree branch fell weird and hit my ladder out from underneath and I flipped. I was like 12 feet up in the air and I went head first to the ground. I just put my hands down and I broke both my arms, which is traumatic to say the least. Uh, as an artist, my hands are purple for like six weeks. Oh, and uh, another fun fact. He's also a huge um, anime fan and was just watching One Piece before I came in. That's kind of like Sanji losing his legs. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know. Shanji losing his hands because he's a cook. Fighting is like his extra. But anyways, that's me being nerdy. Nerdiness is welcomed on my show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That's very, that's an accurate um, assessment. But the most emotional piece that I've had in a long time was the piece that I got commissioned after that injury. It was three eight foot by four foot panels, eight foot by 40 inches each. Filled that whole wall. And it was a commission for um, a couple's marriage, like the story of their marriage. And they just wanted a big abstract piece. So they gave me full creative liberty. And I remember I was just crying and crying while I was painting it. I was just... From the pain of using your arms? No, it was like a month and a half, two months. It was probably two months after I broke my arms, I got commissioned because I was really stressed about money. I had I didn't make any money for like two and a half months. And I mean, I have a wife and um, she doesn't work right now. She just, she just got her doctorate. Muscle tough to her. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was just stressed about finances and all that stuff. And it was the biggest job I've ever gotten uh, fell in my lap and I was just painting it and I was just realizing how much I loved what I do and just getting to have full expression like full liberty that's where all these splatters are from it's from that piece I was just really happy with it and I was just really enjoyed it and I hope they enjoyed it um, they paid me really well and they took really good care of me and it was just really a pleasant and wonderful experience overall and I just I really do love what I get to do it's uh, it's very surreal to me yeah and especially since as someone who tried to do a photography business you know we were both well maybe not you because you're great at what you do not saying that I'm not but you know the whole struggling artist uh, stereotype what's your take on it did you feel it super heavily like you did it those two and a half months at one point or is it something that just happens and that you just have to do what you can to just break through it i mean there's definitely an element so you're building a business and the starving artist stereotype comes from when artists i believe are lazy or emotional with their business because you have to i know art is very emotional and what you create is emotional and, and stuff like that but you have to also understand as an artist you are running a business so and i think the starving artist stereotype kind of falls apart when you view it that way um, because it is be- it does become you get out what you put in. And so like the times I have lulls in business, 
I think it is the nature of this business a little bit, but it's also, I have to be financially literate. I have to be able to save money. I have to be able to price things appropriately. I have to be able to, um, I don't know, just plan. And three years of this, the first three years of this were really chaotic. Like, uh, I'm telling you, I had no idea what the, what I was doing. Things just worked. And I think that's the God element in this for me. I really do believe God has this path for me. Uh, otherwise, like what's for you will be yours. Like, you know, that saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I do believe I've cho- chosen the right path because it is working. If you're constantly meeting roadblocks, maybe you should assess what you're doing. Like maybe you should assess what you're doing or recalibrate what you're doing, but something's not working. So like, that's where I'm at right now is like, I'm trying to fine tune But I can also see that like I'm going into year four and year five and I'm starting to get turnover finally. Nice. And like that's where I'm starting to see. I've got like I'm meeting with a general at McDill Air Force Base, maybe Muriel's house. Um, I got an art class at McDill. I can see all these little seeds that I planted a year, two years ago. They're starting to actually bear some fruit. Yeah. And so I would say to anyone who wants to be an artist or who wants to run a business, just don't stop. Keep learning. And like, you got to plan and you got to make sure you pay your bills and you got to be responsible. Taxes especially. Yeah. The IRS has no mercy. Yeah. (laughs) They don't. And yeah, you just got to plan and and, and make wise decisions. Like I was lucky and fortunate enough. I had, I didn't make that much money when I played football. I think I made like total 50 grand which is cool but not really it's not much in the grand scheme of things you can burn through that in a year no problem but like i was fortunate enough to have the wherewithal to uh, kind of put some stuff away so that i was i have cushion and um and that's what's kind of helped me and allowed me to keep going with this because i have i mean i go for like probably four months last year i didn't make a penny five months but i budget everything out so that i'm planning and planning and planning and planning so that like when I go through lulls, it picks back up again and I can kind of recushion stuff. And I'm just hoping to get to a point to where it's just more, a little more con- consistent. So that doesn't keep happening because that's not good. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. But it sounds like you're finally getting into your rhythm. Of course, the first three years, I feel like is like everyone's beginner stages, you know, three years is beginner, but you know, four and five, you're kind of then starting to get into mid senior level, quote unquote. And then therefore you're just kind of in strides. And even though that this life can be merciless at times, you've uh, push through and um, even though that the artist lives can be merciless god is merciful so i actually have a question at any point in your life during your time as an artist or a football player were there any times of like divine intervention that you could identify that you felt like made a huge uh, change in your life breaking my arms i don't think god broke my arms i think that um, I broke my arms and God used that opportunity to show me that I can trust him. Cause I was super, I would, like, I was making money. I've been making money. I make a living. Like I've, I own this house. Um, I have two cars, like we're, we're doing well, but I was still constantly stressing about the things that I could not control. I was stressing about money. I was stressing about relationships. I was stressing about my demeanor and my business and like literally every facet of my life. And it really felt like I have severe trust issues. That's a whole nother issue. But um, it really felt like God used that time to show me and kind of sit me down, very intensely sit me down and say, just sit still and watch your life like just watch like you can't do anything you have to sit i just sat on that couch for eight weeks pretty much and watch everyone that i've placed in your life every person every opportunity all these things that i've placed in your path and observe what i've done for you because 
I got you. Like I, I, I'm providing for you. My, I didn't lose my house. I didn't, wasn't late on a single bill in that time. I actually had people bring me meals almost every night and it was really just very humbling. My wife had to, it happened on Valentine's day. She had to bathe me. I was really struggling with our relationship at that time. And like, just, I'm just not good relationally like that. Um, it's something I struggle with. My parents have been divorced a number of, like my dad's been married like five times and whatever. I don't want to go into that, but I've never seen marriage work. So I don't know how to operate myself within a marriage. So like I've been just processing all that. And like, and I really feel like God used that time to show me that like you have a lot of good things in your life. You should be a little more grateful for them and you should be a little more trusting that I'm going to take care of you. And like, obviously you have to work. Obviously you have to take, care of your own stuff and like if I just sat in bed all day every day nothing would happen but there's so many things that you don't realize are working in your favor or or working in general and like affecting your life for example a hurricane hits you have no control over that that's a really extreme example but like especially in this area yeah but like or the postman's truck breaks down and you get your mail late which causes a like a cascade of other things to happen yeah so like there's a number of uh, like small minute factors and that's where i think god interacts i don't think it's one thing or another i think it's the whole sum total of everything at once and i think that is more what god can do than it is like one specific person doing something i think it's the sum total of all the actions constantly happening which is a lot harder to wrap your head around but that to me is what God is like it's this big overarching theme yeah honestly the whole concept of God really just blows my brain sometimes because some people say he's everywhere but like you said sometimes he's in the in-between events of like the major events he isn't striking one person down with thunder and that causes a whole chain reaction of crap it's more like I don't know that person was angry and that somehow led to all of that happening or something like it's that. like the serendipitous we call it serendipity we call it uh, coincidence but like I really do think it's like you were angry on this day but it, like you could say oh the stars aligned or this happened or this happened i was like but no it was just like this perfect this timing this timing and god uses everything to work for his will and like for your favor and like we do have free will so there's like it might have looked different but the same outcome would have occurred okay that's fair like so the best example i've ever gotten is we have free will and god is a master chess player and you're playing him in chess and like no matter what move you make, he's going to have three moves planned out. So like, yeah, you make your moves, do your thing, but like God's will will still occur. Is that what kind of how I see it? Huh, interesting. And uh, how do you think God's will has been involved in your art recently? I really feel called towards charity work um, and the art therapy stuff. I work with um, PTSD. I work with former sex workers, some homeless population stuff. And I can't believe it, but I sold a piece this weekend for eight grand for a charity event. I didn't make any money from that, but then I sold that piece there. Um, it sold for like 550 bucks. And then I raised another hundred bucks somewhere else. I almost raised like nine grand wow. in the last month for charity. And I'm not saying this because I want a pat on the back. I'm not saying that at all, but I'll I give do, you a pat on the back. But I, I see that's where I believe God is working in this because I haven't made that much money in, in a month this year at all. And but that is going to help people. And it's just from the gift that I have. And, and like, I guess for me, is like I want to encourage other people to go beyond yourself in whatever ways that you can. Because that's where like the beautiful stuff happens is when you sacrificially love and give to other people. Um, That's where you really see beautiful things occur. And like, that's not going to line your pocket. That's not going to make you more successful or anything. But it's going to show somebody, um, someone that 
like they're seen and they're loved right to me that's what life is all about like that because i i don't i can't really surmise any reason to be here except for loving other people I, i gave up one of the biggest stages in the world to do something so ambiguous and not looked down on it is celebrated but not like football is everyone respects art until they kind of hear somebody going into it yeah know? they're like oh the starving artist oh they're like oh you're just a stoner oh you're just this oh you're just that oh whatever whatever they don't take it seriously and i mean frankly i think it's ridiculous and if you take yourself seriously eventually people other, other people will have to take you seriously so i don't know where this is going i never do I really have no freaking clue all the time what's happening in my life. But I'm actually enjoying it more and more. Like, it's so weird and it's so random all the time. And I just go with the flow and I just live each day the best of my ability. And things happen. And I just do my best with what it's given to me. I don't really know what else to do. I mean, it's like a lot of people say God works in very mysterious ways. He really, really does. I knew I was I was chasing clout for a long time. Um, I was chasing that same feeling of notoriety and respect that I had when I played football and that's something I really struggled with identity wise for a long time because I kind of like went from the peak to like oh you're just painting and like people I think people rallied behind me and celebrated me and stuff but as the novelty has worn off I really had to come with terms with what I'm doing why I'm doing it and I think I used a coattailed my career for a while and like it helped drive the initial stages of it but now it's a lot more about me running a, a, um, a stable business model and just getting better at my craft and, and, and just being better at sales and better at business and better at networking and um, all of the other stuff that comes with running a business. But yeah, it's a really just a it's been a really wild journey to this point. <laughs> you always have clout with me because you were one of the most instrumental parts of our football team. So when you liked one of my reels, I was super excited. I was like, holy crap, I can't believe you actually... <laughs> I can't have- believe that I have that effect on people. It's still wild to me. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm definitely one of them. And so when you actually responded saying, oh, I'm down to do this podcast, I was like, holy crap, he actually responded. I'm sorry I didn't communicate better oh, sooner. Oh, dude, you're, bet- you're okay. I mean, a lot of people just look at my messages and it just says sent yeah oh i'm sorry i i just i'm like ugh. i get a lot of random messages too so i'm just like hmm and i like fill it out then i look at their page and then i'm like okay they're legit and then i i was gonna say like did anywhere on my page say that i was a ucf alumni or something like that well no i was just looking at your stuff and i don't know i just liked your overall format it seemed legit oh like, sweet well, you, you you just run things well thanks. i didn't care that you went to ucf i, I tried just, well, um i just admired that you had a good format because this is the type of interview i've wanted to do a pilot podcast i've wanted to do because this is a lot more personal you've done 15 now i have no idea how many i've done i've done a lot oh actually i didn't know how i was gonna branch this off but actually now i i do know so because i've been following your page for a while now on my various other social media accounts where does king frog come from so there's a song by neil diamond called i am i said and there's a line in that song um, that says, there once was a frog who dreamed of being a king and then became one. And uh, so that was my dad's pregame song before all of his basketball games. My dad was a basketball player. Um, like professional? No, no, no. Um, college. And then um, he blew his knee out pretty bad. And uh, I used to listen to that song before every game I played. And it, I, I, it's not a lit song. It's not a hype song. It's a very slow, mellow. It's like, Neil Diamond. It's old. Yeah. But the message is really good. And it just reminds me of my dad. And I played football a lot of the reason for my, for my father. I do think he lived a little bit vicariously through me in that. But it's just sentimental. And so I just kind of always... One of my favorite movies is A Knight's Tale. Uh, oh, with uh, Heath Ledger. Yeah. yeah. And um, there's a line in that is like 
you can rearrange your stars. And the part where he comes back home after he's grown, he's been a knight, he's been like lying about his identity and he's like been a knight for a long time. And he finds his father and his father's blind. And he tells him, he's like, I found my way back home and I've rearranged my stars. And he says that to his dad. Oh, that's gonna make me cry. But that's where it comes from. It's just, I'm really not anything special. I just work really hard and I just try to do my best. I was a no-name recruit out of high school. And, and then you eventually made it to an undefeated championship team though. Yeah, and I started like 39 games or something. And like, that's just hard work, man. Talent drops off if you're not willing to work hard. I remember vividly seeing so many guys who were just freaks of nature, truly freaks of nature, had way more tangible skills naturally than I ever had. Um, but they didn't work hard. They didn't care. Um, they just thought it would come to them and they never played. And not because they couldn't, just they didn't do the stuff they needed to do. And I would have been damned if I let them have it and not me. Like, and, and that was, I think that's one of the, only, I think that's one of the reasons why my art business is working because I have the audacity to actually think it can and I just do it and I go and go and go and go and I know eventually it'll click like really click because it's not I mean it's humming right now but it's like it like it backfires every couple months <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> yeah that's where King Frog comes from and that's why I run with that I love it I think it's simple and beautiful yeah I remember seeing the crown and then the green circle and for some odd reason the green circle the first thing I thought of was a frog even though that it was just a green circle it's kind of amazing how abstract art uh, the brain kind of automatically fills in those gaps yeah. To kind of like make out those details. Well, my degree is in business management and entrepreneurship. And so I studied brand image and all this stuff. So I knew that I needed to make a brand that was simple and compelling, like the McDonald's M or the Twitter handle, any of those, you know? So like that's what I was trying to do is try to create my own brand image that was really just simple, but like as soon as you saw it, you know. Oh yeah, like when I saw that, cause I've been following you like via my uh, regular profile and my photography profile, but then that's why when when I saw A.E. Evan, you know, I saw the I saw the logo first and I mm. thought, wait a minute, is this Aaron Evans? Boom, uh, hashtag, you know, the verified mark. And I'm like, yep, that's the guy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm slowly getting away from doing social media personally. Like it's just business stuff on there now. Yeah. You'll I, never know what I'm actually doing. <laughs> correct. Exactly. And you know, that's kind of the double edged sword that is social media. It's like, yeah, it can be overused for like social ish stuff. But then again, if you use it, you know, for a business, that's a fantastic reason to use it. Yeah. If I didn't have this business, I would disappear. I, I know I would. I don't, I don't have any desire to be on social media. I would love to eventually get to where I'm not on it at all. And I can just run my business without it. But I don't know how that would work today and age. I don't know. Maybe get your wife to, you know, get a few clips of you doing your own thing. And then while you're not paying attention, it might blow up or something like that. Shoot. I don't know. I thought about buying a billboard. That you would paint yourself? Yeah, I would just design, design a billboard and pay the whatever i think it's like ten thousand dollars i don't have ten thousand dollars i was gonna say like has the city of lakeland ever like uh found out about you and commissioned you for like you know, i've paint? done all my works in tampa and in orlando i have not done any work in lakeland which is i've done one mural in lakeland one small mural at a car shop we traded services they replaced my brakes um it's, oh, that's pretty it's nice city garage it's a great spot he was actually my football coach in high school one of them but um yeah man it's been a really interesting journey overall i bet and um i think right now we're gonna cut off the cameras and find and uh, go into the bonus question round man your story is so freaking awesome aaron <laughs> i mean i mean just the whole duality like we were talking about it but then also how you brought stuff about spirituality and, you know, just other life lessons that you've kind of picked up throughout your very illustrious career. Yeah. I, I just, um, I don't know. 
I just think about life all the time and I just want it to be all that people promise it to be, but it never seems to actually be that. And why is that? Uh, so I'm just seeking that, I guess. And that's it. Well, you're a very philosophical and cool guy. And we're about to find out more about you in my favorite part of any big DK energy episode, which is the bonus question round. 10 questions you do not know about, but they are still appropriate enough that you'll have clients afterwards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so with that being said, are you ready, Mr. Evans? I'm ready. Excellent. So question number one, your paintbrush was struck by radioactive lightning and has a cool art-based superpower. What is it? Any color comes out of it in an infinite quantity and at all times, like on, on command. I often think that a really cool, like non-violent superpower would be that like paint kind of comes out of my fingertips and i can have complete control over the size and it's any color on command as much as i need on like like spider web almost but like just paint it's like built-in photoshop yeah so i could just paint that canvas willy-nilly just like with my finger that's really cool i've never heard of that some odd reason the answer that i was expecting was like in spongebob where he like has that pencil and draws uh, no i don't want any of these things coming to life i got some demented ones in my sketchbooks i don't want those coming to life oh (laughs) yeah those are definitely what you don't want coming out (laughs) question number two you're leading an art class for three of your favorite football players ever who's attending the class oh I'm kind of biased, I guess. I really do admire um, Jason Kelsey. I remember talking with him and stuff when I was at Philly. He's really just a dude. Like, he's awesome. Him would be one. I think Tom Brady would be interesting. I'm not really a fan of his, per se, but I do think it'd be fun to teach him an art class and like talk Absolutely. with him and kind of pick his brain and kind of see how he works a little bit. I think that's kind of a cliche answer though. Um, I mean, these are your answers to give, so there is no cliche answer. And Tyrone Smith is pretty dope. He doesn't seem like he's probably that interesting, though. I like. I want someone who I can hang out with. Honestly, the Kelsey brothers and Tom Brady would be a lit, lit. I know that would be a freaking blast. Oh, it would, but that would also be a really large tab ran under those render under you four. <laughs> yeah, it would be awesome though. But it'll be all on Tom anyway. I've never thought about that, man. There's a lot of people I could think of. I would just pick like the greatest of any eras and just. Love to learn from them. You can learn so much from people just by asking some good questions. Correct. And not like really random ones like, what's your favorite color? <laughs> Although for you, that's actually a pretty good question because, you know, you don't know just red. You know, maroon, burgundy, crimson. Oh, yeah. I love colors. Oh, my gosh. It's actually funny because um, I I love the colors when I worked at Sherwin-Williams because I did enjoy the swatches and whatnot mm-hmm. because it's very interesting to see the gradients of colors. Oh, it's wonderful. It's so stimulating. Yeah. It's just like, who had the time to come up with all of this? But whoever did it. Well, they kind of occur naturally. Like, you have the base primaries and then everything else, secondaries, whatever. But it all kind of occurs organically. I don't want to get into that. (laughs) Got it. Well, thank you for that art lesson because now I know that going forward. Question number three, dream vacation and itinerary. Dream vacation would be a cabin in the woods in Alaska for a month with no technology at all and um, a bunch of sketch paper and paint and brushes and canvases and um, pretty much completely disconnected from reality for a month. That sounds great. That sounds absolutely wonderful and eating good food the whole time. Good caribou steak that you killed yourself. I want to eat fresh salmon every day and I want to eat nuts and berries and fruit. 
and vegetables and some homemade bread and bunches of coffee. That sounds like the life. I've actually been to Alaska, so, um, you know, people live like that. I know, it sounds perfect. Yeah, and then this one town that I was in, it's called Huna, it had a total of 800 people. Everyone knows each other. It's like going to a small high school, man. Their high school graduating class was like of five people. Yeah, that's so I went to a school that it was 98 students from 12th grade to K-5. Really? Yeah, so like the biggest graduating class they've ever had was 12 or something. <laughs> I was about to say, like, are, are there new marriages within that class? What do you mean, like people got married? Yeah, like within that class, like they've known each other, you know, from kindergarten, they just so happened um, to be married. No, I don't think so. People definitely got, started dating because of it, though. I think there's one or two marriages, yeah. Okay, got it. And actually, fun fact, speaking of painting and um, Alaska, that's actually how Bob Ross got his starts because he was... In the Air Force Station mm-hmm. in Alaska where he learned how to paint. And that's why a lot of his uh, landscapes are like mountains. It's because yeah. of his time there. That sounds like a like a dream. It really does. I know we're, me and my wife want to do a Alaska cruise. That's what we did. I mean, honestly, I think I'd rather just fly out there and just stay there. Like, literally find a good cabin and stock up on food and listen to some good oldies music and no internet and just... Let my circadian rhythm sync up with the sun, the moon there, and breathe in the fresh air, go for hikes, play in the dirt. Yeah, the air there. Fires. The air there felt like I was breathing cleaner. No, it is. It is definitely cleaner there. Oh, well. We're here in Florida, and until, until we're there, we're clogged with the humidity and fumes from I-4. Question number four. If you could go back in time and witness one piece of art being shown for the first time, what art piece would it be? So, is it Sistine Chapel? That would be pretty spectacular that would almost feel like magic i'm sure at the time it still feels like magic today i've never seen it in person but it seems absolutely nuts the statue of david who carved those da Vin- i think that was da vinci yeah da vinci his work i would love to have met him i would love to hang out with him for like a couple weeks and like not talk and just literally observe him i would be like a servant for like a couple weeks like what do you need intern apprentice yeah like seriously like clean up after him get him food water whatever he needs like just learn just observe like his demeanor, um, how he approaches things, his obsession towards excellence and like the details and stuff. Like the statue of Mary holding Jesus is amazing. The statue of David's amazing. The statue of... There's one where like there's like a veil over her face. It's all marble and it looks like it's transparent somehow still. It's the, absolutely... Oh, I forgot the quote that he said, but it's like I saw the image within the marble and I ch- and I chiseled yeah, it out. Yeah, pull it out. Yeah. In fact, there was actually one part where it's just like you know, based on a pinky being held, like there's a muscle here that's yeah. activated, and it, that was shown. That level of understanding of the craft is what I think art. There are just few artists that do that today, but I think that's what's missing in the art world. Yeah. And that's something I'm striving for. I'm, I've only been doing art full-time for three, four years. I never went to art school. I have a lot more to learn. I have so much more to learn. That's only a testament to the person that you are, man. So um, that's huge. Yeah. Oh. I want to become obsessed like him, though. <laughs> I think that would be sick. Fair. Oh, but also, speaking of, of Da Vinci statues, it was either him or Michelangelo, but the Moses statue, they were supposed to be two rays of light, like from the sun on his head, but based on like how they look, they look like horns. And it's because of that statue, a lot of people think that Jews have horns. Really? It's because of that statue, yeah. I gotta look that statue up. I'm not familiar with what you're talking about. It's of Moses. I forgot who did it specifically, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to look that up. Question number five. If you could live in the world of any painting, 
what would it be? Is it the Monet painting where they're like the picnic? I'm not sure who the artist was. I know the exact one you're talking about though. I think in that painting would be really nice. So during the pandemic, I used to live over in Tampa downtown by Armature Works. And I thought the quarantine, the lockdown was one of the most beautiful times in humanity that I've ever seen. Personally, I know it was chaotic. I know a lot of bad stuff was going on, but like to watch life stop for all these people, like just stop everyone just stop you can just feel this sense of oh this is nice like this break is nice like before everything got kind of like out of hand but like i remember everyone there's this big field outside of armature works usually people park there but during the day when there's no traffic or whatever because no one was out everyone was just set up blankets and picnics and stuff and i remember just like all these couples and families just hanging out with their dogs and like food and they were just having just they're just hitting outside enjoying it and i was like you could just feel how calm it was and i was like wow it reminded me of that painting. I, I kind of actually wanted to kind of paint a new version of it depicting that. Um, but I just thought it was really beautiful and peaceful. Just like that simple pleasure was nice to me. Sometimes the best things in life are the simplest. Or as KISS stands for, keep it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. Number six, what's your ultimate goal as a painter? I want to just provide as much for as many people as possible um, with my artwork because I know that paintings can raise a lot of money and my ultimate goal is to generate millions and millions of dollars for charities through art, through my paintings, um, through other people, other people's paintings who want to work with me. Um, so I eventually want to call, like, I want to make a branch of King Frog called like King Frog Studio where we have like mentorship programs and classes and stuff where we have like 10 artists in-house and like we use their talents and stuff to raise money for events and charities and, and, and like for people in need and let alone just the connection that art creates. Like just the fact that we're even having this conversation is because I'm painting. If I just dropped off the map, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I think that would be my ultimate goal. And I just want to be really technically proficient. Like I want to like a master musician. Like I want to be a master painter. I want people to be like, wow, that's really incredible. Like a I'm, modern day Da Vinci kind of thing. Yeah. Like I like, I'm, I, I know that I'm good or whatever, but the stuff I see in my head, I would like to be able to like articulate everything that I see in my head. Cause I see very vividly and I would love to be able to like fully manifest that. So it's just time. I played football for 17 or 18 years so i've been painting for four so we got imagine 13 years yeah the whole teenager mm-hmm. yeah so like, i mean i got 13 more years before i'm even to the technical proficiency i was at at football and i achieved the highest level of success there so maybe i can do that with art i mean i'm i have the i believe that i can do as long as i have breath in my lungs i'm gonna try there we go and also just hearing the stories of your hard work and your disciplined demeanor i don't not see that happening for you we'll see <laughs> I just hope I said that correctly because I meant to say I, I do see that happening for you. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I understood. Question number eight. What is a far-fetched goal on your bucket list? I want to make more a year as an artist than someone in the NFL would make. Okay. You know what? Actually... I think that goal is achievable. Before I'm old, I want to put a parameter. I wanted to be doing that by the time I'm like 35 or 40. Okay, got it. So like when guys are coming out of the league, you're already just in stride with that. Well, I guess it's more of a... I think this is maybe wrong. It's definitely wrong with me. But like kind of like a bet against God. Like... (laughs) Like, I think not he, really more of like a fatherly bet. Like, exactly. Does that make sense? Like, I believe God called me into this and I'm like, listen, man, let's send it. Like, let's send it. Let's, let's, let's really like shoot for something massive. And I think that would be a bit of validation. I don't need that validation, but it would be really, that's a lofty goal. I think would be pretty profound to be making minimum 
like $600,000 a year at painting. I think that would be really sick. I mean, I think it's tan. I think it's plausible. I know people are making almost $300,000 doing murals and stuff. And I, I know that's not, I mean, that's still a long way away from 600000 but that would be one of those for me. It's not even for the sake of the money. I just think it would be sick. Yeah, just to just to say that you've done it. It's well, because like every while everyone's like football careers are grinding to a halt. They're kind of figuring out what they want to do the rest of their lives. Because a lot of people that are naysayers or doubters or kind of don't get it are the people who I play football with. I can see it uh, on them. They're like, why are you doing this? They're nice about it. Like they like, they, they think I'm good at painting or whatever, but I can see the kind of like confusion there. Like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, just hold on. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, just uh, just give it a few more years, but it's some, loading. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's um like the early internet explorers where it said like, uh, 50 15 years, 49 minutes, and 30 seconds left of, yeah. this, of this upload. Well, I think we have a huge problem in our culture where we idolize sports so much. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with loving sports I don't, I, by any means. I think that's great. But I do think that it's wrong to assume that you can't achieve any sort of level of greatness in your life outside of it. Uh, that's a good point. And I think that is where I'm kind of coming from. Is It's the quality of the character of the person, not what you're doing. It's who you are, not what you are. And, and I think that's kind of what I want to prove. I want to challenge that mentality is who I am is infinitely more valuable than what I produce or am, like do. Like I could be a janitor and like create a janitor company and still be great not that janitors are so like i don't mean to like pick that but like or a server or anything like i could create something out of those things that is just truly profound and great interesting way of putting it but i like where you're coming from especially since you know a lot of us can get wrapped up in our own head sometimes and uh, it kind of prevents that well comparison is the thief of joy and i think i know for me especially having the vantage point of the NFL. I was there. It's been really hard. And I imagine that all a lot of the other athletes that I know are all the athletes across the world. And speaking primarily about football players, and I'm, we are bred for greatness. And then only 1% of us make it. So there's 99 men out of 100 who are sitting there being promised or told or thought their whole life that they would be in the NFL, making millions of dollars, and then when that... That's their identity. That's their identity, and when that dream cannot come to fruition, like, I think a lot of them kind of just turn the burners off. I know it's really easy to want to do that, just to go get a simple job and just exist. And by all means, that's not... There's nothing wrong with that. It's just more of a... The same fire that you had, and that's something that I would want to say to my fellow athletes, is like the same fire you had playing and going through all those grueling workouts and the meal plans and the sleep schedules and the meetings and the coaching and getting your face ran through the dirt like if you were willing to put up with that to achieve something that you weren't promised that wasn't actually yours in the first place how much more could you achieve if you put that same effort and fortitude towards something that you wanted that was yours only and like that's kind of where i'm coming from with that is like the nfl wasn't mine like it just wasn't and it would never have been i would always be wearing someone else's name on my chest and like this business is mine what i do what I produce with my hands is mine and I'm going to put all my effort that I put towards training like the four hours a day training the 10,000 calories a day of eating the sleep schedule the stretching mobility programs the treatment the injuries I've dealt with and deal with like if I could put up with all that I can go 
two months without getting a check. I can go three months to keep chasing my dream. I can do the uncomfortable things now to achieve something, anything. Like, just, it's worth going for it. You did it all this other time. Might as well do it now for yourself. That makes sense? That was a very powerful message you just said. Training for something that isn't yours. Oh, they'll just fire you. Like, I graded out as the number one left guard of the rookie class in 2018 on the P. PF scale or whatever that scale is. Mm-hmm. Um, next day, I got a plane ticket home. They told me I was arrogant. I am. And what I realized was it didn't matter. And what I, what I realized I was not cut out for is like I could put my blood, sweat, and tears, every bit of myself, all my pain, all my agony, my name on my back, the name of them on my chest, and I could I could pledge loyalty and fealty to them in my utmost, highest degree possible, the highest degree politically, the socially athletically all of it i could be the highest level fathomable and they could just say no we don't like to see you later and all of it would be just immediately washed away and i couldn't i couldn't come to terms with that and i couldn't handle it i couldn't handle putting that much passion into something for it to be belittled that intensely so while i struggle I have a hard time with this business. I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. The fruit of my labor is mine. I'm not getting pennies on the dollar. I don't have to live in the ambiguity of someone telling me that I'm not good enough every second of the day or like for some ambiguous reason whatsoever that they could just fire me. Like as in, how did I grade out? I graded out as the number one left guard. Why are we firing you? Because we don't like you. And I'm like, I signed a contract. What? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I did my job. So you don't like me so I don't get to be here? So like instead of getting bitter about it, which I was extremely bitter, for a long time and no one would blame you and i I, i've struggled with that for a long time and where i'm at now is like okay so that's the game then i'm gonna play the game i'm play it my way and so and that's what i would want to encourage other athletes to do is who you are is infinitely more valuable than what you were and what you will be like who you are is the powerful thing because there are some shitty people in this world and there are some really, truly exceptional people. And I would say you're, the fact that you even drove to my house today kind of just shows who you are as a person. Like, and the fact that you would go to Atlanta to re-record with someone else or whatever. The fact that you were even willing to do all this, the amount of money you've spent on these tripods and cameras and all the things that you do. There is such a large divide between people who don't do that and who will do that. I think there is. And like, you see it all the time. People just coast. The people who are willing to go the extra mile, and I would say that that is, especially in the athlete community, that's a lot of athletes they're willing to just send it and if like you're willing to do that for that why aren't you willing to do that for yourself i think that's an amazing lesson for us to take away from that for that answer you know normally these questions are for you know just fun to get to know you better yeah. as a person but that was like a full-on life lesson and that also shows just the kind of person that you are even though things with the eagles and the chiefs didn't work out it's led to where you are right now yeah i was very stressed out all my life childhood and stuff and i would just want to be an old head that can look a young dude in the eyes and just say hey it's gonna be okay just keep working like just have someone reassure them and tell them that they've been through any of the stuff that they're going through and um make them feel seen and heard and loved and validated yeah validated just like yeah it's hard dude like it's gonna be hard that's life like it's literally always gonna be hard but um it's not really worth doing if it's not hard like you'd be bored out of your mind if everything just was handed to you if you got handed 10 million dollars right now like that'd be great but in a month you'd be bored you know what i'm saying <laughs> like, yeah and you know what happens when that ten thousand dollars is up or sorry ten million dollars is up you know it's just like yeah, it's what just, then then what yeah so like you could live as gluttonously as you could imagine great word 
you would be bored and you'd be like, well, what's the point? So that's why I think people commit suicide. I think that's why people have existential crises. I think that's why people have midlife crises because they kind of like finally realize at one point in their life that all the things that they were chasing were for naught. Because that's what happened to me. I was chasing the NFL, chasing it, chasing it, chasing it, chasing it. I played two years on herniated disc. The amount of pain that I played through. I had turtle shots before games. I had six epidurals. I was messed up. The amount of pain that I played through. Um, to then have my dream that I was coveting and, and, and chasing after and idolizing so intensely to be what it was and not what I wanted. It's like trying to find the ideal girl and she has no personality oh, or yeah. she smells bad or like, I don't know. Something, yeah, you know exactly. what I'm saying? It's like you finally get the thing. It's like the genie in the bottle mentality. Like you, you get the wish. Like, mm-hmm. like I wish to be rich and famous, but then you take money from everyone in the town and like you're like a dictator. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's like this, like there's a catch. Correct. Uh, uh, there's a lesson learned with every wish. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I got there and I was like, wow, this is what i put up with this here's the list of all the things i was willing to put up with to get here and then this is not at all what i expected it to be and i just couldn't handle it and i I crumbled i really did crumble well the best part is even though cookies crumble they are always new ones made and everyone loves them just as much Mm, i love cookies yeah thank you for that entire lesson yeah i'm sorry if that was too long that's the kind of stuff we love on this show well that was quite the life lesson that i needed and i don't think i'll need another one for another couple months so uh (laughs) thank you mr evans so question number nine you're creating a music festival that benefits your favorite charity What's the charity and who are six of the main acts? I want to do Brit Bunch, which is a charity that serves underprivileged kids and kids with disabilities in Orlando. It's been started by a girl, Brit. I think she's a UCF alumni, technically. I don't know. She's Down syndrome. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her. I think I might be. Is she the one that's like always in the UCF fan yeah, page? And, always. <laughs> yeah. And like, and like she takes pictures with Mackenzie Milton all, all the time. All the time, yeah. So, yeah, I know exactly. The- yeah, so... They started a foundation, nonprofit called Brit Bunch, and um, I could do some art classes with them. But that's what that painting sold for was them, the Super Bowl one. Oh, wow. They, that was what I raised money for for that. But I think that would be a cool one to celebrate and kind of get a little bit more footing in the community. Six acts. I don't really know, man. I have a really wide range of taste. First one that came to my mind was like Beastie Boys. I thought it was <laughs> kind of sick. The Beastie Boys. I think. Um, some like not Metallica. Who sings Sweetie Pie? Pantera? J. Cole. I think Lil Wayne would be kinda lit. <laughs> Rihanna would be good. I Post thought the Malone. energy Actually, you know what? For some odd reason, I can see you and Post Malone like hanging out for I some would odd reason. I'd love to hang out with him. I think we would get along. I know that's really presumptuous of me, but I think we have very similar demeanors. I mean, just by looking at you, you know, the facial hair, the tattoos, the just the <laughs> chillness. Yeah, that says Post Malone to me. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh I think that's a little bit too much rap. I think I would want like one um like indie vibe in there to kind of break it up. I like, like the whole range, though. I'll give you that one extra if you can come up with that indie artist. <sighs> Alabama Shakes. They're fantastic. Mm. Oh, my God. They're great. Yeah, Alabama Shakes. And then who's the one that sings? Oh, like we go home. Oh, home um, is wherever I'm with you. I don't know who sings that, but I know exactly that, that song that you're talking about. Too. All right. Okay, well, I know I'd uh, shred face, especially to uh, Beastie Boys. Oh, this would be great. Tribe Called Quest is kind of lit. Okay, they are the eighth act, and I will allow it because Q-Tip and all of them are fantastic. Rest in peace, Five Dog. I'm going to listen to them today. That sounds great. We're having so much fun on this podcast. We're already at the last question, and Mm -hmm. the question is the same, but the answer is always vary, and that is, what is your best, most recent accomplishment? I think it's more like 
um, emotional in that. It's for me, it's like just being a lot more organized and disciplined with my mind and my business. And that's been really helpful for me just to kind of organize all that chaos into words and to actually calendar and actually budget and to actually buy and do all the things I need to do without fearfully approaching those things. Um, I think that has been really, really exciting for me because I've always like operated out of this sense of like cold feet and then uh, I, until I have to and then um, I'll do it then and I'll do it well. But like I, I wait too long until like I have to and then then it's stressful instead of just proactively doing stuff. So I've been on like a good kick the last like six weeks, which has been really, I feel like it's an accomplishment. Well, that's awesome. You know, any accomplishment to you is an accomplishment. So, you know, don't knock yourself down if you uh, think that wasn't. So, um, you know, I'm glad that you were able to, you know, have that. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm sure that at times when it's not that, it can be a little, you know, much. Yeah. Yeah. I was in a big lull for a while there. And I kind of like finally came through it. And it's been really good, man. I mean, that's why I cut off like 12 inches of my hair. Yeah, I was about to say, like, wasn't you painting this that you like had that long Fabio looking hair? No, yeah, no, I had like, my hair was down in the middle of my back. Um, I just cut it all off, but um, I miss my hair for sure. It's a clean look, I will say that. Well, yeah, this is what I wore my whole life, but um, the hair was a new thing. I miss it though. I'll probably grow back out. I don't know why, but your face and your mustache, I don't know about your hair, kind of gives me Jack Black vibes. Jack Black? Yeah. Jack Black is awesome. He is quite a character. He's one of my dad's favorite actors of all times. Like, School of Rock was a film that he introduced let's us in rock, elementary school. Let's rock today. Oh, of course. I'm the Asian guy. Let's rock, let's rock today. <laughs> now slap it, shoot it, and kaboot it. Yeah, all right, I'll teach you more later, Mr. Cool. That movie's great. The new music he's releasing with Tenacious D is... The covers, what's the, there's a cover out right now that's so good. I can't remember the name of it, though. I'm going to have to check it out, but I actually saw them live in concert. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, me and my wife will blare it in here. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, then I'll, I have some stuff to show you after the okay. show. But, um, cool. you know, Tenacious D is awesome, but most importantly, you're awesome, Aaron. We finished the bonus question round, so we're actually at the end of the show. And um, I just want to say, I know you're very busy with your painting schedule and whatnot, but thank you so much for coming on to the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It was a great time. I appreciate your interest in me at all. And I <laughs> I hope some uh, fruit is born from this. I hope that this helps somebody. So. Well, you're definitely helping me make content. So, yeah, you've already uh, checked off that box. So, um, Let's make sure the message is good, too, though. That's so. right. And instead of a pen, I'll give you a paintbrush that you can... Yeah, so give me that radioactive paintbrush. Which color are you thinking? All of them. Chaos. Just pure chaos. But anyway, um, folks, we're going to put all of his social media links in the description box below. And Aaron, before we head out, is there anything else you want to say or promote? No, I would just say share your gifts. Use them with your music art you like history uh any of it um anything podcasting dancing calligraphy pottery i guess i'm only naming arts but fishing okay whatever any of it uh use them use them to the best of your ability uh that's literally what life is about that is the secret sauce of life don't get caught in the rat race and just enjoy your time alive because every day is precious so it really is and so, Aaron, for coming on to the show to talk about your history in art and your time in football and the absolute duality and the hecticness that there was transitioning in between those two lives, that I think you, Aaron Evans, have big DK energy. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Excellent. So, with that all being said and done, I'm Danny K of the Big DK Energy Podcast, and we're signing out. <laughs>